The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. Beware scam artists in Dayton. I'll find you out. This is WHIO meteorologist, Kirsty Zantini. If weather breaks this hour, we will break in. And you're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. There is a season And good morning and welcome to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. Gloria's off today, but Javon and the rest of the team are here, so uh, obviously they're not going to let me drive this thing by myself. So we're going to have uh, things under control and uh, try to get you a good show here as always. And of course, as always, we appreciate you spending a part of your day with us and invite you to contact the show anytime today at 457 1290 you can also write to us anytime at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. Please be sure to tell your friends and family from around the country and around the world to stream our show live every Saturday at 9 Eastern at whio.com and on the iHeartRadio app. You know, over the years, Gloria and I have done many, many shows about residential transitions. In fact, along with five or six other key areas of conversation, what I've traditionally called uh, buckets. You know, the things that we focus on here, financial and legal and health and wellness and relationships and so forth. The management, securing and disposition of our space to live, our homes, is a big area of concern for most of us, and particularly later in life. Yes, some of us have moved several times in our lives, and with moving comes quite a few challenges. How much space do we need? How is it configured what is, it our, you know, what is the budget we have? Uh, where is the home, including what school district it is, is it in? You remember that? I've been in a situation where you had to move by you know, a certain time in the summer to kind of make sure you were in and uh, settled before you, you know, got the kids off to a, a new school. How is the resale of property in that area? How much can you finance? How far are we going to move anyway from where we are? And if we're renting, well, how much are we paying for that space? What's the lease? What's included? right? Remember that? Is uh, hot water included? Your utilities of any kind? Trash and so forth? Who lives next door? Are pets allowed? And on and on. And of course, these are just a couple of configurations for where or how we might live. But you may recall from a previous show we did on later in life residential transitions that there are a variety of options available. What were they now? Let's see. We had, uh, we had downsizing to a smaller home especially after the kids are long gone. And that's hard, right? Because what do we all have after so many years, after so many decades? Stuff, right? And we've done, we've done shows on how to, how to travel light and, uh, and get rid of our stuff, right? Um, another would be the village concept. This is something you don't see a lot of in our region, but this is where you know condos are mixed in with a variety of amenities and services. It's been more popular in bigger cities you know, and probably on the coasts. Uh, moving to an apartment is another option. Moving in with family or perhaps sharing a space uh, with another person who's also in that later in life senior stage. A lot of us seniors around the country have adopted this model for reasons of cost-cutting, safety, and for companionship. And of course, there are those residential transitions that a lot of us know, right? And you see a lot of advertising for it too. Independent living homes, Sometimes they're called cottages, assisted living, often with several levels of graduated care, nursing homes and skilled nursing facilities, memory care units. That's become a big, big deal as the population uh, ages and we see more and more people with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. And then on uh, some campuses, you've got a combination of several of these in what's called a continuing care community. There's also the idea of residential care homes a topic we'll cover in a future show. These are smaller facilities that offer more personalized services to small groups of adults. They're not the big campuses. They're not 100 different people living in one area. They're also known as adult family homes, personal care homes, or board and care homes. Now, certainly the mode of living for many seniors is to hold on to an existing home as long as possible. In fact, survey after survey points to the fact that 
around 90% of us would like to remain in our homes as we age. This is what some have called aging in place, though certainly there are more elegant, less static ways to describe our later years. It just sounds like you're sitting there, doesn't it? (laughs) Aging in place, just uh, sitting there and getting stale. Eh, I don't want to think that way, right? I don't think anybody does. But if care needs, uh, you know, need to be increased, uh, or if our care uh, needs to go up, many individuals and families start to have to make decisions about what kind of care, how much will it cost, and if the care needs are significant enough, whether it's time to move into a long-term care, uh, nursing care environment. However, a great many families uh, with the means to pay privately choose what I've mentioned earlier, assisted living. An assisted living community becomes their option at some point, whether that's from an immediate move, from a house or an apartment or uh, other residence, or as a move within a continuing care community. You know, in a case where an individual or couple may have started out in an independent living arrangement, like a cottage, and then later moved on to assisted living. And today we're going to make assisted living our focus, especially with regard to how to evaluate assisted living communities, discussing who regulates the industry, also some specific questions you should be asking when evaluating an assisted living community, and I wish there was some music for intrigue here, the things assisted living homes won't tell you. We're going to be getting into that today, and of course, if you have some things you want to contribute, 457-1290, and we have uh, lines available for ye. So let's get into it. What is assisted living Anyway, right? What is it? Well, here's a standard working definition. An assisted living facility is a senior living option for those with minimal needs for assistance with daily living and care. Its purpose is to help adults live independently in a safe environment. And what does it look like nationally or in this region? Well, we have our National Center for Assisted Living who can help us out with that. There's uh, about 29,000, we're approaching 30,000 different communities in the country that have approximately about a million beds or a million licensed spaces for uh, assisted living. So it's not, it's not small. Uh, it does skew a little bit more toward the south and the west in terms of where these communities are. Uh, over half of them are affiliated with some form of a chain, but there's still over 40% of them that are independently owned. What can you see in a typical assisted uh, living facility in terms of services? Well, a lot of times there's 24-hour supervision and assistance. There is staff on hand. You'll find exercise, health and wellness programs, uh, housekeeping and maintenance services, meals and dining services, often meal plans and so forth, medication management or assistance, Uh, You'll find some personal care services, uh, and also uh, transportation is something that's fairly common um, in an assisted living environment. Now, when they've done polls of this and so forth, and they try to uh, sample various communities around the country, they also find that about three-quarters of them have a pharmacy or a pharmacist available. Uh, transportation services for medical or dental appointments is something that's, even if they don't offer other kinds of transportation, at least they cover that. About three-quarters also have dietary and nutritional help, which is an important thing, uh, as we've said on this show before. An awful lot of people later in life don't always eat as well as they could. Uh, Sometimes it's a, a real pain having to cook for one person, and so there is some way of at least supplementing that with some additional dietary and nutritional support. There's also a lot of times a therapy, physical therapy, occupational, or speech therapy. Hospice is available through a a lot of assisted living environments, skilled nursing, mental health or counseling, and even social work. uh, uh, Social work services are available in the typical assisted living environment. Now, who would live in a place like this, right? Who? Well, 55% are over the age of 85. I remember even, you know, almost a decade ago, Gloria and I talking to somebody and they said the average age of new admission into an assisted living environment was 83 at that time. So over half or over the age of 85 now, 45% have some form of dementia, including Alzheimer's disease. In terms of what they call ADLs, activities of daily living, 62% need help with bathing. 29% help with walking, 
about half need help with dressing. 41% need some help with uh, using the restroom, with toileting. Uh, 36% will need help getting in and out of bed. And about one in five need help with eating. So there's a lot of different services that people need within assisted living. You know, when it first started out, it was probably a little bit more of a lifestyle choice in between the independent living or someone's own home and the idea of a nursing care facility. And so that's why you saw a lot of campuses go up and they had lots of different activities and so forth. As the population has aged and that, admit, that average age of admission has gone up, we've seen people who need more and more help when they're in these environments. So about 53% of the communities are Medicaid certified. We'll come back to that a little bit later on. But about 14% of residents rely on Medicaid for their long-term care. And that's just a snapshot of who goes there. Now, what does it cost? Everyone always wants to know, what does assisted living cost? Well, on average, these are uh, 2018 numbers. These are put together by Genworth Financial, uh, an institution that tracks some of this. On average, around the country, this is everybody now, assisted living costs about 4000 a month. Now, I know my, my relatives back in the East Coast would laugh to hear that number because it's uh, easily close to double that in many locations, especially in our bigger cities and so forth. But about $4,000 a month, $48,000 a year in a private pay environment is what it costs. In Ohio, that number is a little bit higher. Particularly in our region, you're going to crest over $5,000, get up around $5,300 uh, in terms of cost here. So it's obviously a significant uh, commitment. You're, you're talking 60000 maybe $65,000 a year. And if you have graduated care above that, there may be some additional fees and so forth. Um, we mentioned there's meals, supervision, security, and so forth. There are also types of assisted living at different levels. And uh, we'll get into that here on the other side of this. So you've got a, a little bit of a snapshot of the industry and a little bit about cost in the area. What we're going to focus on uh, when we come back is we're going to talk about types of assisted living, and we're also going to help you look past the marketing stuff. All of that may look great. The incentives may be very appealing, but uh, you may even have direct referrals from family or friends or healthcare professionals or people at church or whatever. But this is a major transition for you or a loved one. And what you'll find is that the industry is aggressively marketed, but not necessarily aggressively reviewed or regulated. And this can affect how the day-to-day -day is run. It's the story behind and beneath the pretty gables. You need to know about all that, what to look for, what to ask, and how to avoid getting you or your loved one in a jam. More straight ahead when we continue. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. For over 35 years, Buckeye EcoCare has provided quality on-time lawn care service. The same state licensed route manager will service your lawn every time, every year. The legacy continues at Buckeye EcoCare with the most experienced staff, custom lawn care programs, a 48-hour service call policy, and outstanding customer service. Since 1984, Buckeye Care has been treating your lawns just like our lawns. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $4.99 deals. How would you like it? Can I have it like a game show? Sure. We sent two contestants out on the streets to see what they could find for $4.99. Our first bought five goldfish. Ooh, but the other went to Subway for $4.99 deals. He was able to choose from four tasty footlongs or six six-inch meals that include a 21-ounce drink and chips for just $4.99 each. A winner every day. Subway, make it what you want. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Score huge savings during Cedar Hill Furniture's March Mania sales event. Now's the time to upgrade your home court with slam dunk savings for every room in your home. Get your winning deal today. Buying a car or truck? You kick the tires and we'll kick out a great rate. Abbey Credit Union has auto loan rates as low as 3.49%. This offer is good on new and used vehicles. Visit us in Vandalia or Troy or at abbeycu.com. 
Chilly to start off this morning. Temperatures in the 20s with a light breeze, but we're seeing plenty of sunshine out there today and high temperatures reaching 50 degrees. Relatively calm by the afternoon and evening. Overnight tonight, cloud cover increases with a low of 34. Mostly cloudy skies for Sunday, breezy and mild with a chance for showers late and a high temperature of 56 degrees. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There at the Season, the Bob and Gloria show, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob, and Gloria is away today. We're talking about assisted living. This is one of those bread and butter shows that, you know, every so often we take a segment within the whole residential transition area and we try to, you know, drill down a little bit deeper and let you know really what's going on and not just the overview stuff. We're going to talk here about types and so forth, but we're going to get into some other things too that they don't talk about, right? Perhaps you've got a popular community right in your backyard or you've heard about that one place across town. Well, what's the real story? We're going to talk about what you need to ask and the things assisted living homes won't tell you. If you'd like to contribute to our knowledge today and to that of your friends out there, all across the Fruited Plain, as Rush Limbaugh would say, 457-1290. Now, if you've done a little research already, then some of this might not be new. But if you're nearing a transitional moment of your life or that of a loved one, and you're just getting into your research, well, what exactly does assisted living mean? Really, what does it include? Well, most assisted living environments are divided into levels of care. And a type 1 assisted living facility is a, a place that provides you know, a safe, clean living place and three meals a day, typically. A resident may require minimal assistance with certain ADLs, those activities of daily living, including significant assistance with up to perhaps two of those ADLs. It could be getting dressed. It could be as I said, going to, going to the restroom. It could be with bathing and so forth. Now, residents in a Type 1 facility uh, usually are able to evacuate the facility under his or her own power. In other words, they have to have a certain amount of baseline mobility. They have to have stable health and be free from any communicable diseases. They may receive assistance with medications or have medications administered by a nurse. They may receive some health services through individual contract, uh, a contract with a home health agency. That's very common. Uh, typically, there's 24-hour general monitoring, seven days a week. Someone's going to be checking on the people who live in this environment. Uh, they may receive general nursing care, depending on the facility's policy. And often, there's part direct participation from that resident in developing whatever the service plan is. That's what would be called a type 1 uh, assisted living facility. In a type 2 environment, you've got, uh, of course, all, all of that, but you also have um, full assistance with activities of daily living. So this is what would be partly developed in this care plan. So it could be any number of things. It could be something from tying one's shoes to uh, aiding that person getting down to dinner toward uh, other kinds of assistance. And, and you, know, you name it, you have to come up with each individual's uh, own story about what they're looking for. Residents in a Type 2 facility typically require the assistance of one person for transfers or evacuation. So this would be the case where someone does not have very good mobility and they would need some assistance to get out of the building or, as I said, to get from one part of the building to another. They may receive assistance with medication or have medications administered by a nurse, certainly in the case of people who have, uh, and I knew this from personal experience with a family member, diabetes or something like that. Uh, there's uh, help often needed with testing sugars and the administration of uh, insulin. Uh, there's general nursing care from the faculty uh, staff, so or, or from the faculty, the facility, excuse me, and and. That's usually a case where there's either a contracted organization that's coming in or they're a member of the part of the organization and there's regular nursing uh, care available. Uh, you have to, again, be free of communicable diseases that could be transmitted to others through the normal course of activities in the week. And that could include dining, that could include other kinds of socializing or simply walking through the hallways. Uh, obviously, with, with uh, certain parts of the immune system being a little bit compromised, um, for a lot of people who get older, you know, they're very, very sensitive about this kind of thing. Whether it's the flu or anything else going on, it can affect a lot of people in a hurry in that kind of an environment. 
Um, you'll also find 24-hour individualized personal and health-related services. That's every day of the week. Uh, may receive home health services. This is all in a Type 2 environment through contract or home health agency. And, of course, would also participate in their own service plan. And there are levels then that are beyond uh, these two that are all customized depending on the environment. Sometimes you'll pl- find a larger place and might be divided by wing, divided by floor, uh, and you really need to get in there and determine what level of care seems appropriate. And it's, it could be that you or your loved one will have a change in your uh, needs over the time that you're there. Now, there are some small healthcare uh, facilities, um, which, as I alluded to earlier, you may not be in a larger com- you know, continuing uh, care community. You might live in a smaller licensed home occupied by an owner or an operator. Uh, you could receive supervised nursing care on a daily basis from a written plan of care. Again, a lot of this uh, does need to be written down, obviously. Uh, You would uh, receive assistance with medication or receive medication administration by a nurse. And that's often going to have to be somebody who rotates in and out of these environments. Again, be free of communicable diseases. You may be dependent and still live in these kinds of smaller environments. Um, You would receive total assistance typically for daily activity needs. So you get into here, and this is going to be something that comes up a little bit later on. What is the ratio of care in an environment? Do you have, you know, a full staff? What does that mean? How many people, both in terms of uh, regular home care services versus, uh, you know, say nursing services, what is that ratio? What does it look like? And as you're starting to evaluate an assisted living environment, you're going to want to ask that question, but you're also going to want to observe the environment. Are there people sitting around or is nobody around, you know, and you've got these long hallways and so forth, who's actually uh, on staff? Also, you can get at these small health care facilities, 24-hour direct care staff for monitoring and assistance. And you may also receive rehabilitative services through individual contract with a home health, excuse me, home health agency. So those are three types of things, you know, a level one, level two, and a small health care facility. There's, there's a lot more ahead. And after this break, we're going to continue to talk more uh, about assisted living, including, you ready now? The things assisted living homes won't tell you. Uh. <laughs> and everyone's got, everyone's got their different stories, right? Things that have happened that they're not sure should have happened. And uh, sometimes things that don't occur when you expect them to. We're also going to give you some practical tips for how to research assisted living in your community and talk about where you can find specific state regulations and other information about assisted living communities in your area. So I do encourage you to stay with us. Thanks for being here this morning. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIL. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. This is the station Dayton turns to first for live team coverage of breaking news. WHIO Dayton Springfield. Your news starts now. Depend on it. It's 9.30. I'm Jonah Adi with a WHIO News Update. Our top story we're following this morning. The Mueller report is in, and what that report says, well, that's what we're going to find out hopefully this weekend over in Washington. Plus, a local Miami Valley eatery says that their retail site is closing, but the restaurant will stay open. The latest coming up. As much as I hate to say it, there is a chance for snow in the near future. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag. Your exclusive WHIO forecast is coming up. Well, WHIO triple team traffic. A couple of accidents on the service streets throughout the Miami Valley. Got a crash on Miamisburg Centerville Road at Leona Lane and Washington Township. Plus, a crash reported on West Siebenthaler Avenue as well. And it is our top story in Washington. Attorney General Barr has completed the report, uh, has received the completed report, that is, from Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Now it's just a matter of reviewing its contents, and we could hear the details as early as this weekend, according to the latest news. Attorney General William Barr says he'll meet with the Deputy AG and Special Counsel Mueller to determine what information from the report can be released consistent with the law. Fox's Jared Halpern says President Trump has stated he does not mind if the report goes public. Well, now to new Carlisle, where Clark County investigators have two people in custody from a house on Jefferson Street that they received multiple calls about. A woman being arrested there on several warrants told cops she was held there against their will. 
For a second time on Friday, deputies surrounded the home and arrested another man living there. He had a number of warrants against him. Throughout the evening, deputies could be seen taking evidence out of the house. WHIO's Monica Castro says there's no word yet on what the warrants were for or who these people are who were arrested. We'll be bringing the latest on that as we get it. Well, the Miami Valley Eatery is going to stay open, but the beer wine carryout is about to close its doors. Ollie's Place in Washington Township says stiff competition and sluggish sales are going to spell the end for the retail, but the restaurant side will stay open. Ollie's Place is saying on Facebook that they're offering 30% off all stock during their closing. Well, let's get a look at the most accurate and dependable forecast with meteorologist Jesse Mag. Chilly temperatures to start off this morning, a light breeze to go along with it, and low temperatures starting off at 26 degrees. We're nicely climbing to a high of 50 degrees, plenty of sunshine and relatively calm winds by the afternoon. Cloud cover expected to increase overnight. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7. WHIO. In the latest scan of the Doppler 7 radar, looking all clear, a blue, bright, sunny Saturday morning for us in the Miami Valley. 27 degrees in Troy, 25 in Springfield, 30 here in Dayton at 933. I'm Jonah Adi, WHIO Continuing News. Hi, this is Larry Hanskin. It's always good to get home, and the folks at MyPillow have given me yet another reason to look forward to returning, and that is Giza Dreams bed sheets. Well, when I go on the road, I take my MyPillow Go Anywhere pillow, so I'm able to sleep great there, but boy, do I miss what it feels like to slip into the heavenly comfort of the Giza Dreams bed sheets, and that's what happened when I got back from Colorado, and it felt so good to be able to sleep great with MyPillow and the Giza Dreams bed sheets. Now, they're so soft and it's amazing i've had them for two months and so they've been through the washer and dryer several times but it's just as soft as they were the very first time and extremely durable as well and you know what they'll fit over any mattress Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Giza Dream Seat Special, use the promo code WHIO, and you'll get 30% off and free shipping, and you get a 60-day money-back guarantee. You can also call 1-800-320-1481, ask for the Giza Dream Seat Special, and again, use the promo code WHIO. This is Clark Howard here on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Did you know you can get our latest news flash briefing on your smartphone? For Android, just say, OK, Google, and then play WHIO News. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season with Bob and Gloria, except uh, Gloria's taking off with the cash. This just happens. She just uh, takes the big old bucket of money they leave for us here every week. It just goes off in a junket. Am I wrong? Javon, am I wrong? No, it happens. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's not happy. uh, I'm not happy anyway. This is the show about how we change, how we uh, age, and how we care for one another, and how we get the cash back when uh, Gloria returns. We're talking about assisted living today. Perhaps you've got a popular community right in your backyard, or you've heard about one in that place across town, right? What's the real story? We're talking about what you need to ask. And the things that assisted living homes won't tell you, if you'd like to contribute to our general knowledge here, 457-1290, this is a big decision for people. You know, it's, and it's not, it's not the kind of thing where, you know, we want to gloss over one way or the other. We don't want people all thinking just because you hear all these wonderful services that this is the thing to do and so forth. We talk about all ranges of care, right? You might decide to stay in your own home and start to bring in as much care as you can afford from a, a home care agency who typically divides their services into personal care and companion care. And there's different sets of activities within each of those things. You might decide to move into fa- with family. You might decide to go into a continuing care environment and, and start out with independent living and then move to assisted living. All of these are options, but we want you to be able to ask the hard questions and get past a lot of the marketing materials, a lot of the what I call the gables, the pretty gables that are on a lot of these buildings. you got to get into what's actually going on day in and day out. Those are the things that are going to affect your life if you're the person moving in there. It's also going to affect your family's life. If you're a caregiver and you go in and you notice these things, or you're a son or a daughter, uh, believe me right now, you know you will be sorely disappointed if you haven't asked up ahead, uh, ahead of time, or you see some kind of gap in what was promised and what's actually delivered. With that in mind, we're going to kind of shift gears here a little bit and talk about some of the things that assisted living homes won't tell you. And we're not singling out any particular 
assisted living environment. You know, I don't have any any short list here of uh, people we're going to put on any kind of a list or anything like that. But these are some things that have been noticed around the nation, and we would encourage you to think about them as as you go forth here. Uh, assisted living homes are a short-term solution. Since 1981, when assisted living homes first made their debut, they served as a sort of a, a midpoint between a home, someone's home and a, and a nursing home. But they've grown in popularity. You know, as these facilities have, have, have gotten more popular, as they've, as they've uh, grown, as the population has aged, uh, so has the diversity of needs and the diversity of services. Some homes cater to those who have trouble cooking or doing their own laundry. Others to those who have dementia, almost, uh, what, what was the stat? 45% now have, uh, or are dementia, uh, have some form of dementia within the environment of the, the residents. So memory care has become a big thing. People uh, uh, often need help with mobility. And so some of the assisted living environments cater very much to that. But government regulation that could help protect families with a loved one in an assisted living facility who is suffering from a chronic or degenerative illness, well, that's kind of lacking. That's still few and far between. Existing rules vary immensely from state to state and even within a given state. In some states, you might have each level of care requiring its own individual license. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the question is, does, is the license available for each level of care? Is it being promised uh, so that we're going to get into the question of regulation here. Is that licensing on file? Have they passed certain uh, you know, levels of, uh, of uh, qualification to be able to offer that kind of care? There's no national standard for training, for instance. While some states require upwards of 25 hours of training for staffers, others have no minimum, only requiring that certain topics be covered. Most facilities are required to keep at least one person on site overnight. In some cases, though, that person may not even be required to be awake. Okay, so you might have somebody there at the front desk drive by at 3 o'clock in the morning and see if that person's, you know, snoozing or dozing. And again, I'm not picking on any particular environment. I, you know, you have to do the research yourself. Many people still choose assisted living facilities, though, over nursing homes precisely because they offer residents more freedom in a less institutional and less expensive setting. Uh, indeed, residents who value their independence are often loath to give it up. You've heard that on this program before. Uh, people with severe health problems who in the past would have been moved into a nursing home and are staying longer in much less expensive assisted living facilities. And since staffs aren't required to be trained to handle a lot of health issues sometimes, um, what it can do is, I, you know, oddly, it can set up more dangerous situations if you don't have specific training on the staff. Because people, remember, are moving in as residents. There's supposed to be some level of independence. Even though they're not in independent living, per se, they're not considered uh, the type of resident who would be in a, a straight nursing or a nursing care facility. So those are some things to, to keep in mind. It's a short-term solution for people. The market has changed, but it's not a very regulated type environment. Now, here's a bad one. <clears throat> here's one that, that bothers people. If an assisted living facility doesn't like you, you're out. Knowing the limits of care that a facility can provide and the threshold of behavior or health that could lead to an eviction is crucial. And industry uh, people will tell you that it's often as simple as looking at a contract. But who decides just like with law, right? Every time we pass a law at the federal level, it goes into the administrative state, and there's a you know bajillion regulations written from that point forward. Who decides with a contract what, what thresholds have been met or exceeded? It's not going to be the resident. It's not going to be the family. It's not even going to be physicians. It's going to be the management. People may be asked to leave because they're disagreeable, because health needs have become unpleasant to deal with, or they don't sync up very well with what the staff is capable of providing. Or they might be transitioning financially to a less lucrative payment source, such as Medicaid. Yes, that's true. Regardless of what the price is, uh, you know, that, that's stated at the front end of this, if your own finances change and you become Medicaid eligible, then that means less compensation for the assisted living environment. In many cases, it's easy for a facility to claim they can no longer care for an individual, whether or not that's actually true. And there's no, 
you know, perfect arbiter of this. You often have to get into a situation where you're in, in some kind of a dispute with the executive director, or sometimes it's the person who's the director of nursing, and they're making claims of this. And I've seen this firsthand. I've seen this situation where someone's behavior or health or a n- number of incidents has led someone to be kind of reclassified as, you know, you're not really appropriate for this environment. You need to move someplace else. Unlike nursing homes, assisted living facilities don't have an industry-wide process for dealing with uh, these kinds of decisions. Residents do have some protections, though, even in states that do not have laws that pertain directly to evictions from assisted living facilities. Local landlord-tenant laws and uh, the American with, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act can be used to fight an unwanted eviction. So there are some, some tools you may have uh, at your disposal, as well as perhaps the assistance of an elder care attorney. Uh, and we'll touch on that a little bit later, too. Now, here's the other thing that's kind of a cold, hard truth. Ailing residents are, I hate to be blunt about it, but ailing residents are cash cows. Three quarters of assisted living communities charge residents extra for a variety of services, from bringing meals and delivering packages to making a bed to administering pills. And here's one I I know firsthand of an environment that charges every time someone presses the alert button. Every time. And if someone's got some partial dementia or is lonely or is, uh, you know, just can't change the channel on the TV or something has happened, right? That adds up. Somebody rings the, the thing four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, I understand from the people providing the service that can get out of hand. You might have somebody ringing it 10, 15, 20 times a day. And so the, the organization providing that care uh, is saying, gee, we're having to send somebody down to the room all the time. But you got to be aware of that, right? Those, uh, those aid buttons are put in there for a special reason. Obviously, if somebody were to have a fall or have a real emergency, but there's other times when it can be get, getting pressed. And if you're being charged every time that's getting pressed, that can certainly add up. But beyond that, there's other kinds of things you know, that, that an organization or, or assisted living community can um, charge for. One organization in, in California began to charge a resident extra fees when her health began to decline um, back in 2011. It was $500 a month then for administering her medication, dressing her, bathing her, wheeling her to meals on top of the rent she was paying. And she was on a fixed income. So the addition of these kinds of fees, if it's not understood up front and you don't know what's going to be covered and what's not going to be covered, uh, really starts to get expensive. And it's not, you know, in one breath I'm saying that, yes, somebody might say um, our criteria has changed or you're not meeting certain thresholds of health or behavior to stay in this environment. On the other hand, it's a cash opportunity for the environment providing that. So you've got to be aware of where you are in that whole scene. Charges are usually usually detailed in a contract, but families facing an important and often emotional decision don't always read these agreements carefully, like I mentioned about pushing the button. That's why insiders in the industry recommend consulting an elder care attorney before signing on the dotted line. Look through this. Ask, you know, create scenarios. What would happen if this starts to happen or that starts to happen, okay? These are just things you need to know. So that person who's got some health issues may turn into a real good cash opportunity for the environment. Now, rates are not often set in stone. Rates depend on the economy, obviously. Softer markets might lead to, you know, if you've got overbuilding in an area, and that's probably not going to be the case in most situations because the population is aging so much and so quickly. Uh, Occupancy rates are everything, right? So if you've got overbuilding, you may see some softening of the rates based on what's published or compared to what's published. And the opposite could be true. You might find that there's a real... Uh, pressure that the demand is way up, and uh, if occupancy is very, very high, maybe very expensive to try to get into some place. So eager to lure potential residents, a lot of places are enlisting marketing firms to help uh, seniors sell their homes and make the transition into an environment like this. But know how that price is figured. As a matter of fact, it'll take another show for us to do this, but we have often wanted to break down the average dollar. Where does the dollar go in an assisted living environment? And that is something that we will bring to you here uh, in the future on the show. Now, did we say lock the doors? From a business perspective, Alzheimer's and dementia sufferers are a huge market. More than 40% of assisted living residents have this diagnosis. Many facilities advertise specially trained staff, customized activities, 
and also locked doors for those who wander. But critics in the industry say it can be hard to differentiate a sales pitch from real service and government regulations of demented care tend to be minimal. So it may not always be locked. Again, we're not disparaging any particular place, not trying to create panic, but is it one of those things that you can actually evaluate? If there's not enough staff around to respond to a door that gets pressed or you press on it for 15 seconds and then suddenly it gives way, how is that dealt with? You know, what are the boots on the ground to do to do uh, deal with that? Um, as we kind of alluded to in the beginning, advertised amenities, what I've called kind of the, the Gables approach here, um, can often cloud your thinking. Uh, you might have, you know, wonderful campus. You might have nice meals. You might have people talk about the meals. You might have entertainment or transportation and so forth. But there are other debilitating things that can happen to people in the course of a lifetime, not just dementia. You could have broken hips. Uh, you might uh, have other things that, that impact the way someone's going to age. And many homes, uh, you know, that, that spend a lot of money creating this perfect, beautiful atmosphere, um, you know, what, I, what, what they want to call the expensive carpet in the common areas or the grand piano, can they deal with the change that someone's going to go through while they're living there? So um, compared with providing top-level care and high staff uh, to ratio, staff to resident ratios, in other words, it goes back to the question I mentioned before about how much staff is on, on uh, call, carpeting and paint and all that kind of stuff is pretty cheap. Can they retain people? What's the turnover in there? What's the turnover in the place? How many people do they have on staff? These are the key things to ask. How are they trained, right? How are the meals prepared? What are they like? Go down to the kitchen, spend some time, you know, spend some time in the dining room, get a feel for the community in a real tangible way. Now, most assisted living places are run for profit, owned by larger companies or individuals or private equity firms. That profit is going to constantly be a pressure on the environment as it would be any place. So in a situation where maybe you do have a gap in the occupancy versus the demand in an area, right? And the place is hurting. They don't. They have some openings and so forth. Are there staff cuts? Is is a service generally promised, but not sufficiently staffed? When they might be maybe should have had eight or nine or ten people on staff. There's only four or five. Those are the kinds of things that you want to ask in a pointed way. It's not a charity. It's a for-profit environment. Now. Um, also, you got to be aware a little bit of referring agencies. There's a couple of major ones out there and so forth that get their fees, obviously, from the, the placement of somebody into one of these environments. And what is the criteria by which somebody would be uh, referred by one of these referring agencies? Is there anything that would make them not refer somebody? You know, in other words, if there's a performance evaluation with assisted living uh, environment and it falls below a certain level, is that referring agency going to keep referring them? How do you know? You've got to ask. You've got to be able to say in that community, is this uh, organization under any kind of review? Have they had any kind of failures and so forth? Or are you just referring them willy-nilly because they're in your portfolio? So a certain healthy amount of distrust in that whole uh, situation is important too. There's a lot more I still want to get to here. I know we're running out of time, and I'll try to get through it here on the other side of this when we come back. Talking about assisted living here, big choice for a lot of people. You want to make sure that you have all the information you can and know where you can get additional information because that's how we do things here. That's how we roll. We'll be back with more of There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIL. Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekends, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Stock market instability, volatility, and losing money is a big concern. But it doesn't have to be. With a structured retirement plan, you can protect your money and forward your financial progress toward retirement. You don't have to risk your future riding the stock market roller coaster. Call the Miami Valley's retirement resource and author of Income Allocation, David Gaylor at Tradewinds Financial Group, 800 385 That's 800-385-0437. And tune in Saturdays at 3 for your game plan for retirement. Investment advisory services are offered through Precision Capital Management and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Welcome to Tire Discounters. Oh, hi, Phantom. Hi, Mike. What's new, as they say? Well, it's tax time. Ever thought of sprucing up the Phantom Mobile? I go for function, not style. But now you can save up to $220 on select tires and custom wheels. Well, let's try it. (laughs) 
Mike. Phantom, it's breathtaking. You can't tell it's the same car. Well, it still says Phantomobile on the side. Right now at Tire Discounters, you'll save up to $220 on select tires and custom wheels. Hi, this is Westy with Everybody Fitness, and we are extending our offer for a free 30-day membership. That's right. You can still check us out free for 30 days with no purchase necessary. We have eight locations with tons of equipment, rows of cardio, and group fitness classes. We also have free childcare and free tanning. You can even do your cardio in our movie theater. Also, most of our clubs are open 24 hours, so don't wait. Get your free 30-day membership by stopping in or check us out online at everybodyfitness.com. For over 35 years, Buckeye EcoCare has provided quality, on-time lawn care service. The same state-licensed route manager will service your lawn every time, every year. The legacy continues at Buckeye EcoCare with the most experienced staff, custom lawn care programs, a 48-hour service call policy, and outstanding customer service. Since 1984, Buckeye EcoCare has been treating your lawns just like our lawns. At Jeff Schmidt Auto Group, we have seven state-of-the-art service facilities. All seven locations have modern waiting areas with free amenities. Or drop off your car and drive off in one of our complimentary loaner vehicles. If you're too busy to come in on a weekday, schedule a Saturday appointment or use one of our 24-7 drop boxes. Your car will be taken care of by one of our certified technicians who are always kept up with the latest training. From an oil change to a major collision, come to Jeff Schmidt Auto Group and experience the advantage. You, yes you, have you been waiting for the next big thing? How does over half a billion dollars sound? That's right, the Powerball jackpot is up to at least $625 million and the next drawing is tonight. So don't wait. Get your Powerball tickets now. And while you're at it, don't forget to try the new Decade of Dollars scratch-offs with $1, 2 5 and $10 games available. You could win $500 to $5,000 for up to 10 years. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Score huge savings during Cedar Hill Furniture's March Mania sales event. Now's the time to upgrade your home court with slam dunk savings for every room in your home. Get your winning deal today. Chilly to start off this morning. Temperatures in the 20s with a light breeze, but we're seeing plenty of sunshine out there today and high temperatures reaching 50 degrees. Relatively calm by the afternoon and evening. Overnight tonight, cloud cover increases with a low of 34. Mostly cloudy skies for Sunday, breezy and mild with a chance for showers late and a high temperature of 56 degrees. I'm meteorologist Jesse Mag on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 957. WHIO. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. Gloria's away, but she'll be back. I tell you, she'll be back and it'll be cozier and nicer here. Promise it's what she, she adds all that goobery goodness when she's here. You know, it's true. And uh, we've been talking today about assisted living. And uh, if, uh, of course, you... Uh, Want to know more? You can always write to the station here or send us an email, Bob and Gloria at there is a season show.com. So much we want to pack into every hour, and it's, it's difficult, obviously, to get it done. But um, we, I did promise you something here about regulation. Now, here, here's a basic question Are assisted living facilities regulated by the federal government? The short answer is no, they are not. So the next question is, well, why not? And there are a lot of answers to that. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that. Uh, each state has different regulations on the books regarding assisted living uh, at this time. The type of regulatory regulatory governing allows the state to add more restrictions while enabling more choices for consumers. So you, this is why you have to kind of sort through it, uh, all these different situations. There might be the assumption that some agency out there is keeping the books on everybody, and it's not the case. So you want to be able to kind of look through this and say, what are the regulations in my area? And there is a terrific uh, site that can help you with some of this. It's called assistedlivingfacilities.org. So write that down, assistedlivingfacilities.org. Very deep site. It's got lots of different stuff on it. But one of the areas that I thought was particularly cool was the uh, the National um, Assisted Living uh, Trade Group or the association, NCAL, um, has put together something called the National Center for Assisted Living State Regulatory Review. Boy, is that a mouthful. National Center for Assisted Living State Regulatory Review. 
Now, what this site, Assisted Living Facilities, has on it is, first of all, lots of information about the industry, but also where you can drill down on a state-by-state level to find out what regulations govern your area. The website has adapted this National Center for Assisted Living State Regulatory Review, and they want to look at specific things like, what is the state's assisted living definition, right? I I did a, a kind of a cursory definition at the start of the show, but how does the state define that? What is the organization, the assisted living community's scope of care? There's one of those phrases that you really want to be able to understand. What is the scope of care? What is the scope of care per level that that you're going to encounter when you're in this environment? What are the admission environment uh, requirements, right? Uh, And is there any kind of um, advantage if you've moved into independent living and then want to simply make a lateral move? Are you at a disadvantage if you don't enter through independent living? These are some things that you want to be able to ask. What are the admission requirements? What are the care plan requirements? What are the various components that are going to go into a care plan? Who's going to be involved in putting that together? Medication management requirements. This also needs to be part of your review, and it's also something that can be reviewed here uh, at this website on a state-by-state basis. Physical building requirements. Physical building requirements, what's required by that state for that building. Staffing requirements, okay? There may be certain regulations on a state-by-state basis about what kind of minimal staffing there is supposed to be. And then you need to ask the real practical question. What's the real story? What about Alzheimer's and dementia information? Is there a memory care unit? How is that staffed? What's the training involved? What's the security of that environment? When does somebody qualify? Uh, Again, is there some kind of a a chain that puts people in a certain advantage to getting into there? Uh, What are some of the things that might move somebody or make them qualify for that? Medicaid and Medicare waivers and policies. Medicare doesn't pay for assisted living. Medicaid does, but it's not something, again, that most assisted living facilities are going to build their uh, business model on. So a lot of stuff to look at. Again, go out and check out assistedlivingfacilities.org. Oh, so much to get here. Here uh, Now, previews, upcoming shows here. We've got uh, a number of great things coming your way in the next several weeks. I started my career after I retired. Yeah, yeah, you may have worked at a job for a long time to keep the bills paid, but people often find their real calling, their real career later in life. We're going to talk about hearing and hearing technology. Also something that uh, Stephen Covey, the the um, consultants and author, used to talk about sharpening the saw. What does continuing education in your retirement years mean? What can it do for you? Also, academic freedom, but no free speech. What's happened to our colleges? The diversity dilemma. We're going to cover that. And coming up very soon, marijuana, psychosis, and crime. All bigger and badder than you think. See, we covered all here. And that'll do it for us today. I thank you very much for being here. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. For my dear friend and co-host Gloria, for our producer Javon, and for all those who make the show possible, I want to thank you very much for being here today. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Have a blessed week. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.